0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and our Wonder Women in Business podcast gives a voice to the women who have a great story, a story that's meaningful and compelling, exciting to share. We like to share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. Tune in to Freeman Means Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anchor google podcasts and several other channels on the internet well first of all let me say what an honor it is to have today's guest nikki sokol Assis- associate general counsel of facebook so thank you for being here nikki
1: thank you so much for inviting me
0: absolutely so people um who know me know that i am prolific on Facebook. I love Facebook. I will never, Facebook will have to dump me before (laughs) I ever let go of Facebook. So you definitely have job security when it comes to me, a user. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your education, occupation, community involvement.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm so glad, uh, to hear, um, about your love for Facebook. Um, and we love to connect people and, and bring joy into people's life. So that's great to hear. Um, and again, thank you uh, for having me on your podcast and for all that you do to support other women, um, professionally. Um, so to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I was born in San Francisco while my parents were in grad school at Cal. Uh, My mother was there getting her master's in computer science. Um, And then when she took a job at Bell Laboratories, my family moved to Colorado. So I had the immense pleasure of growing up in the idyllic town of Boulder, Colorado, um, which is really a a magical place to live. Um, but for school, I was really drawn to, the, um, to this idea of going to this amazing public, big public university with great sports and this really vibrant um, community life. And so I ended up attending my parents' alma mater, the University of Michigan, uh, both for my undergraduate degree as well as for law school. Um, and then when I uh, graduated from law school, I went to Chicago and practiced uh, at a large law firm there called Mayor Brown. Um, it's a great big law firm in Chicago, and I had the opportunity to do a wide uh, variety of litigation, um, probably the, the most interesting of which was a three-month-long trial trial Um, a white-collar criminal healthcare fraud trial uh, against four individuals and um, was blessed to uh, represent an individual and all of the clients were acquitted at the end of the three-month trial Nice. yeah so that was a pretty incredible experience becoming um, really close uh, with our client and the other defendants and their families, and and living through that experience with them. But um, besides uh, having the fun of of working on uh, government investigations in the very interesting um, political climate in Chicago and, and <laughs> Illinois, um, and doing you know work, doing a lot of uh, uh, great um, work for different corporate clients, um, we then moved. Um, I married my college sweetheart. Yeah, and so. <laughs> yes, um, uh, it's wonderful. I think a, you know a lot. A lot has been written um, in recent years, actually, about um, uh, the effect and of having a really supportive partner for working women. Yeah, um, and so I've been really blessed to have uh, a husband who is incredibly supportive of me and of and of my career. Um, but there was a time when um his his career, he is a um he is a doctor and he's in academic medicine. He's currently at Stanford University. And so as part of doctors' uh medical training, they uh go through, you know, not only medical school, but uh residency, and some people who specialize go into fellowships. So uh, he had done his uh, residency at Northwestern, but then he took a fellowship at Brown University. So after four years in Chicago, we moved to New England and I commuted up to Boston uh, where I worked for a boutique law firm there, a very um, high-end boutique uh, litigation firm there. Where,
0: what firm was that? Do you mind if I ask?
1: Yeah, sure. No, at, at the time it was called Dwyer and Calora. Uh-huh. Um, and now the firm actually has merged into the large law firm, international law firm, Hogan Lovells. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, actually, that relationship uh, began while I was at what was then Dwyer and Calora in Boston. Um, because the firm was doing uh, a number of, uh, was defending large pharmaceutical companies against a number of um, healthcare fraud investigations out of the US Attorney's Office in Boston. And so uh, the firm was really well known for its, it was a boutique litigation firm, really well known for its um, high level practice, including um, defending individuals and corporations in, white collar uh, corporate investigations. And so the firm partnered up with Hogan Lovells uh, for that investigation. Um, and uh, it was interesting because at the time, um, there, was a, uh, there was a partner there who, um, uh, Kathy Weinman, she was the, she is the um, wife of um, John Kerry's brother. And
0: interesting!
1: Yes, and it was during uh, the presidential campaign um, for that John Kerry um, when he was running for president. Um, So that was a a very yes, a really interesting time to be at the firm because a lot of um, a lot of people obviously were very uh, invested in the campaign, Um, and uh, also the firm represented uh, some. Uh, individuals as well as companies in both commercial and white collar investigations.
0: Nice. So so I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm biting my tongue. I'm so excited. Um, I lived and worked in Boston for nearly 12 years. Um, I am older than you, but still some of the things that I loved most about Boston, you too probably loved about Boston. Uh, for me, um, when I think about Boston, I smile every time. It's got healthcare, it's got state-of-the-art technology, it's got very good public school education. I lived in Cohasset and then I lived in Situate after that for quite a long time and I took the Hingham Ferry across the harbor to Rose Wharf and then I walked a couple blocks to State Street Corporation and I have the fondest of memories of all my 52 years uh, in Boston. So I'm so glad that we share that common experience and having lived there. Now the winters are um, a bit mm, difficult, but everyone's prepared. They salt the roads and they have, you know, we have heating <laughs> inside. And I sure had quite the collection of great winter coats. So yes. I bet that um, you too have some things about Boston that you absolutely loved. Share a couple of those things that you loved about living in Boston.
1: Sure. Well, we actually lived in Providence, Rhode Island.
0: Ah, not far. Not far at all.
1: Yes. Well, sort of far. Um, not really an ideal commute um, because my husband needed to be close to the hospital at Brown, which is in Providence. Um, and my best opportunities were up in Boston. So I took actually Amtrak was my way. Oh, of, wow. Yes, was my way of commuting from Providence to Boston. So yes, I would um, take the train every morning into um, South Station in Boston. And speaking of those winters, fortunately, there were tunnels under the street. <laughs> yes. uh, we At the time, the firm's offices were in the Federal Reserve Building. And so we could just take the tunnel um, under the street from South Station up into the federal reserve building and just pop up right into the office. So that certainly helped. Um, but yes, I loved, um,
0: you're going to die when you hear this. So Nikki, when you were there, I, I know you're, you're younger than I, but, um, I worked at Dalbar, which is on the 30th floor of the Federal Reserve Building in Boston, and walked that tunnel, and I've been South Station, and <laughs> this is just painting such a beautiful, wonderful memory for me, so I love that you know the tunnel, and yes. that you worked in that. That's that, so that funny. People call it the H, the big South yes. H. Yeah, so that's so great, um, and yes, I um, know of your firm's name, so familiar with that um, actually highly well-reputed litigation boutique firm. So definitely know of that. That's so, so impressive. What a great, great, um, you're like the Mary Tyler Moore, um, for me, like I'm imagining you (laughs) conquering the big city, you know, getting off the train and conquering the city. So that is so great. Um, I loved, loved Boston. So, tell me what else you liked about Boston, anything you didn't like about Boston, and then how did you, you know, talk? We'll talk about your transition to where you are now.
1: Sure. So, I think, you know, I grew up, um, like I said, in California and in Colorado. And so, for me to spend time in New England, there was so much rich history and cultural history and the architecture. And I really enjoyed that aspect of feeling like, the culture and the history ran so deep there yes yes I and of course I loved the phenomenal Italian food
0: <laughs> the north end I ate my way through the north end a couple times too so it's great um, yeah that's true you can just feel the energy of you know our nation's beginnings it's it's very
1: nice very nice
0: so take me how did we get to where we are today take me on a journey
1: Sure. So, um, when my husband took a faculty position at Stanford, we moved out to, um, Palo Alto and Menlo park. And, um, once I was here, um, I actually was pregnant with our first child when I moved out. So, um, that was sort of interesting having to start out here, um, with a brand new baby I had to take. Um, so I've, you know, I've taken the bar exam in three different states—in wow. Massachusetts—and then I took the California bar when I had an infant. So that um,
0: one here is the hardest. What do you think?
1: Um, yes, it was certainly hard. I guess you know, once you've taken the bar exam three times, um, and <laughs> you know, you've been you've been a practicing attorney for several years, and I and I think. Um, you know, as also has been written about, once you're a mom, you know, you get pretty efficient. And yes. you know, I, I had an infant, so um, it was it was challenging. But um, but I guess you just you learn to focus and crank it out. And I mean, yes, the the California bar pass rate um, actually even it's is very low, and even lower for. Um, attorneys from other states who then try yes. to take the bar. Um, there's been a great deal of concern recently uh, in the bar at the very low pass rate in California, but miraculously, um, despite taking the bar with a, a nursing infant, I was able to pass. Um, and I happened to talk to, uh, I met a neighbor while I was you know, outside getting my mail at my house and Uh, She was a new neighbor, and as it turned out, she was an attorney at Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati, one of the biggest law firms in Silicon Valley. And um, so, we started to chat, um, and I, you know, telling, I was telling her about myself, and she basically said, oh my gosh, you have to come work at Wilson, Sonsini. So, she connected me uh, with um, a senior partner in the practice, and from there, I uh, started working at Wilson Sonsini.
0: It is a great firm, well-known firm. I'm very familiar. Um, they used to actually be a client of mine. And then when I was in-house, they were a peer group. So very, very good firm. I wanted to say, you mentioned that, um, and we can all as women understand the the wow and the jaw drop when you say you're preparing for and taking the Um, bar exam while nursing. So it's, (laughs) I think what women learn to do so well, either they, they learn it or don't learn it. But once you catch on the magic of not just managing your time, like so many people talk about and so many lawyers must do, but managing your attention. And I think being a new mom, you're probably forced to not only manage time, but also manage your attention. And for me, that was a lesson in my career that it was very much important to manage my attention so that i could each day do a forced ranking you know what's most important today what do i need to get knocked off the list what can carry over to tomorrow um for someone who's obsessive compulsive about lists and such and organization that was helpful to me so i can just imagine you as a brand new mom nursing your firstborn trying to prepare for this exam totally overwhelming for those of us just listening to your story Um, but folks um, I know Nikki and she manages and she handles it well and she's cool as a cucumber so I can just imagine you had this down pat so that's a great imagery a great thought um, to think that you were able to conquer you know you're you're winning at work and winning at home and getting it done Uh, so so I love that story
1: Thanks. Well, you know, it took a village, right? I mean, there were, I was new to the area, um, and had a new baby, but I actually met, um, as a new mom, a great group of women who, uh, were also new moms and, um, you know, I, I didn't, I was nervous about babysitters. I hadn't yet had a babysitter. Um, and really these, at, and at the end, the last few days before the exam, they really rallied for me and actually helped watch my baby so that I could get in a few extra hours of studying. So I think it, it also really speaks to the importance of having, you know, a community and, and women helping other women achieve, achieve these goals.
0: I love that story. That is such a great example. So, you know, our society has a tendency to want to pit each us against each other. But women like you and me, uh, we share the story of how women lift each other. And I love that story. That's really great. Really great. Thank you for sharing that. Well, to switch gears a little bit from personal to professional, tell me what is your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Sure. Well, I think it actually, there actually is a really good segue here. Um, so from Wilson Sonsini, um, you know, I uh, moved from there over to Facebook and I, and what I had realized was really driving me was that, you know, I really enjoyed most at Wilson Sonsini when I was working directly with the clients, when I was, Digging into their stories and hearing about their missions and finding out, you know, what were the facts and the stories that had led them to, frankly, being sued for something. But I really wanted to get deep into the story of the company and the people who were working there and was realizing, you know, with having my daughter that um, and my son after that, that community What was, what is what was really, really important to me. And and as I looked around, I realized that, um, you know, going in-house was where I wanted to be, where I could then really be working with the people and learning more about their mission and what they were trying to accomplish. And Facebook was the perfect company to go because the company emphasizes the value of community and bringing people together um, so much. And in 2012, Facebook went public. And the IPO, as you may recall, did not go well.
0: I do uh, recall,
1: yes. <laughs> 2018 has been a difficult year for the company, but 2012 was a very difficult year as well. Um, that was really the last time that the, that the company um, found itself um, really getting a lot of Um, heat from the press and there was a lot of bad news. The stock price ultimately dropped to less than half of its initial um, public offering price. And um, it was a really difficult time for the company. And that's when I was brought in to uh, help manage the company's Overall litigation document, but in the particular need at the time was to defend the company against a slew of lawsuits that were filed in the days um, following the IPO. And so, my professional, my proudest professional accomplishment is that I came into the company at a time of crisis, and after several years of hard work, um, we ultimately. Ended up settling the case very favorably. Um, the settlement was just um, finally approved by the court uh, a couple weeks ago, and no one talks about it now. It, it has right. sort of gone away, and it's really not in the spotlight. But it really is an example of, you know, how you you find something in a crisis, you figure out the story, and you really just buckle down. And it was years of hard work of managing through some setbacks. We you know, lost on some pretty important motions that would have stopped the case in its tracks. And yet we persevered. We put our heads down. We, you know, had, we had to prepare our senior most executives um, for, for testimony. We had to coordinate with board members. We had to do outreach to third parties. To gather some pretty important evidence in the case, and we just had to. It's the story of what you have to do as a litigator. Um, it's not always glamorous. It's a lot of grinding through, yes. um, a lot of hard work, looking through a lot of documents, um, drafting briefs, developing strategies and legal theories, and then you know building up the evidence to support your theory of the case and. It's not in the spotlight, and um, but it's it's really hard, important work, and you buckle down. And despite the setbacks, when you keep your eyes focused on your story and what you know is right and doing the hard work to get that story out, then you can ultimately get to a great place. So I'm really proud of having helped manage Facebook through its last crisis and have gotten it to such a strong place that um, no one's even talking about it anymore.
0: That is so phenomenal. What a great story. So it's in those moments of crisis where you figure out what you're made of and how much you can take. And not only did you take it, you fixed it. You provided solutions. You helped to carry them through that tough time. That's amazing. I'm sure that and a little bit of wine and maybe some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and help. friends. Yes, and friends, definitely. So I have a theory that competition is dead and collaboration is alive and well. So I do look to friends to help me. Uh, whereas I think old, in, in the old days, or I say that as a 52-year-old, but way back when, it was the politically correct thing to just keep things to yourself and not share because you'd be seen as weak. But now I think we've created um, a society, at least, you know, I do when in my circles, that you can reach out to your girlfriends or male friends or husband or for help, ask for help, ask, you know, I, I, I have this commitment, I need you to help me with these other things. Or so that's great that you attribute some credit to those friends for your um, being able to sustain and move forward uh, in this tough time at Facebook. So I personally, as a person who's addicted to Facebook would like to thank you (laughs) (laughs) for saving Facebook. So that's terrific. That's terrific. Well, someone must inspire you. Who, who would that be? Who's your best inspirational mentor or influence in your life?
1: Yeah. So I think, I mean, probably as with most people, I've had um, a number of people who have been inspirational to me, but I think when I think about who really helped shape who I've become and helped me have the confidence in myself um, in my career, I guess I would say that my mom has been an inspirational mentor. Um, I mean, certainly both parents, my dad taught me so much as well, but, uh, since I can only talk about one, um, you
0: can talk about as many as you'd like. I love, (laughs) I love that you said your mom.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I have, A mom who is incredibly brilliant. Um, As I mentioned, um, my mom got her master's degree in computer science from the University of California at Berkeley um, in the 1970s. Wow! Yeah, and ahead of the game. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I mean before tech, I guess, was as hot and as popular as it has been um, in the last couple decades, you know, my mom was a computer programmer. So I always had a working mom. I had the kind of mom who pretty much did anything that she wanted to accomplish. She was a computer programmer. She's a very accomplished rock climber and mountaineer. Nice. Um, Yeah, she's traveled the world and climbed peaks all over the world in Russia and Africa. Wow. Yeah, in Nepal. Um, I mean, she's just the kind of woman who is incredibly smart and can accomplish anything that she puts her mind to. And so she always instilled, I mean, I ended up becoming a lawyer, although, you know, I would probably argue that my um, math skills are even um, perhaps are stronger. My analytical skills are stronger than maybe you would think on the a typical lawyer would have. Um, wow,
0: that's quite impressive. You're becoming a shiro of mine. <laughs>
1: that's so nice but I mean I really just attribute it to my mom I just never like and she's so she's extremely athletic she's this you know tiny little woman um, and uh, and yet she just always was kind of a force of believing that she could do anything and so you know unlike I think some other girls who might grow up questioning their own intellect or, or questioning their own capability. Um, it's not that I I don't haven't had my own personal doubts, and I certainly have, but they weren't of the type that like I wasn't smart enough, or yeah. because I was a girl I couldn't do anything. I always, you know, I was playing football on the playground with the boys, and um, you know, I never was one to not speak out. Um, She taught me to speak out. She taught me to be smart. She taught me that I could pretty much figure out whatever it is that I wanted to figure out.
0: I'm so blessed to know you. So I'm thinking you should be um, a featured speaker at one of my events we're going to take across the country. You are quite... Leading by example, owning it, uh, exhibiting a person- superpower personified, like just the fact that you did not suffer from any debilitating lack of confidence, which is what I do every day, try to fight that in younger girls, try to say, you know, believe in yourself, own it. It's okay to have fears and doubts, but you can't let them own you. And so clearly you mastered that with the help of your mom's um, example. and. I just want to know, does she have an Instagram account? Because all the places she's hiked, I'd love to follow that. (laughs) I
1: I think I have posted one um, spectacular photo. You know, she's now in her early 70s. And, um, you know, I was at Facebook cranking away on a brief or something. Or, you know, managing some communications crisis and uh and she texted me a photo that a friend had taken of her, you know, scaling some really sheer rock face up on Donner Pass um here in wow. California. And I was just <laughs> I had a very funny moment of wow, okay, there's my you know 70 some year old mom and <laughs> here I am sitting at a desk.
0: And you're thinking, I can do this.
1: If she can do that, I can do this, for sure. I still can't out-hike her. It's no fair.
0: Well, I was told yesterday by a young man who works at Kirkland and Ellis, he said to me, uh, we were discussing some strategy, and he said, there are many, many paths to the mountaintop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hers is literal, mine is figurative.
0: exactly, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I wonder if I'm even supposed to say Instagram while talking to you, is that the enemy or <laughs> uh,
1: Facebook owns Instagram? So we're delighted oh, to right. hear people use Instagram too. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. How could I forget that? Well, yes, I'm there. I'm one of their lawyers as well. I advise them on, I handle Instagram's litigation matters. So I'm delighted to hear you mention Instagram.
0: That's so great. Well, I'll tell you, um. Uh, Again, as a prolific social media participant, if you will, or maybe an influencer, um, I am also addicted to Instagram, so you'll be happy to hear that, that I will keep you in business for sure. (laughs) So let me ask you this. You know that I personally have a really strong belief that women should lift each other up and not put each other down, and I try to live by example for younger girls, but I am a boy mom. I don't have daughters. However... I am surrounded by women friends who do, and I have stepdaughters, and I really think that, you know, it, the time for slogans is up, and it's really time to make some changes in the laws, the policies, and um, you know, our corporate world that that really allow for equity, not just a display of diversity and inclusion, not just a really nice website or putting people of color or minorities or women in the brochure or even parading them to the pitch to see Facebook, if you will. Um, But actually the equity needs to be there. So how do you think, um, not even just in the workplace, maybe just in life, how do you think women can support other women?
1: Yeah. So something I absolutely agree with all of those things that you said, and I completely believe in women supporting and lifting up other women. Um, In fact, um, those moments have been probably among the happiest moments I've had in my career is when I've been able to help and support other women. It's incredibly fulfilling. So for me, something that I've focused on, and I really am trying to spread the word about and and hope more, not just women, but more people generally will do, is um, help Women who have paused their careers, find their ways, help them find ways to re-enter their careers to on-ramp back into their careers. Yes. Yes. That is so critical. And I think it was Anne-Marie Slaughter who has written about how we need to have career lattices, not career ladders. Oh, that's great. Yes, it's not my quote. I think it was Anne-Marie Slaughter.
0: Well, I'm going to find it and quote her. And if I can't, I'll just quote you.
1: It's so true. It's so important because um, so for me when I um moved from New England to California, as I said, I was I was pregnant, um, I had to switch jobs, I had to take the bar exam. And as I mentioned, while I was there, I met this amazing group of women, and I met a lot of women who um, had paused their careers had had you know gone to the best schools in the country had worked for um, some of the most important companies and organizations, and for a variety of reasons had ended up pausing their careers. but they were still some of the most thoughtful, accomplished, brilliant, organized women I had met. There was so much talent there, and they were organizing these communities of women. They were running preschool auctions. They were really running and they were running households. They were running projects to, you know, massive home rebuilding projects. I mean, they were incredible multitaskers, organizers, um, et cetera. And there was so much talent. And, and for me, I mean, I ended up, um, Going back uh, to work pretty quickly um, through, you know, my connection with my neighbors I mentioned earlier. But I stayed close friends um, with these women and met other women in our community who ended up, you know, they were this amazing village for me and this support that really. Helped me um, continue working and raising my children, and having a vibrant community and, and rich personal life. And there were all these amazing, smart, talented, capable women, and a lot of people were wondering how they were going to get back to work as their um, kids transitioned into elementary school. And it's just—it's so—it's there's this all this competition for talent, and yet there's this entire pool of talent out there that people aren't tapping into. So what I did um, is, in Facebook Legal, I proposed to our leadership that we um, create a program, which I uh, termed the Reconnect Program, because Facebook is focused on connecting people, and I wanted to help people reconnect to their careers. So we created this program for people who had paused their careers for a significant period of time, wanted to reconnect to their careers, bring their skills current. We created um, uh, a contract attorney role in the department for people who had paused their careers. Wow. Yes. um, That is incredible.
0: Uh, I have to interrupt here. I'm just jaw dropped because I don't know about the rest of the nation if they understand yes, these challenges exist across the nation, especially for women who've just had children or, or like for me, I moved to Hawaii where there is no corporate culture. It's very different. Um, so to come back to the mainland and try to get back into the workforce was quite challenging. Yes. But even in, in Silicon Valley, it's much harder than I believe in the rest of the nation. So the fact yes. that you did this, is just incredible, so giving, and I can tell that you're a giver and not a taker, and I just, I think that is part of your, uh, what attracts me to you, and, and to, to be around women like you, learn from you, listen to you, Uh, watch you in action and see how you serve others. And I just think that's incredible. So you sort of paved a path for those women who want to transition back into the workplace without being punished for taking time off. They certainly didn't stop working. Um, Like you said, Absolutely. Oh my gosh, they worked so much. Those are business skill sets that are very valuable. They just weren't uh, financially rewarded and titled for those uh, efforts.
1: That's exactly right. So we had, we had two. Um, we ended up hiring two women. Um, one worked on has been working on um, privacy and product counseling for our um, augmented reality, virtual reality division. So talk about fun! Bringing your skills current. No, no, I, exactly. Is she a mom? Do you mind if I ask? She is a mom. Perfect. A mom. And um, and then we um, brought in another woman who had paused her career for 10 years and um, worked with us in the litigation department. And um, it's it's just been an incredible success, and um, so much so that um, this fall, when we opened up an additional full-time role in litigation, the woman who had been working as our ReConnect program lawyer interviewed alongside everyone else, and got the offer and came and joined us as a full-time employee.
0: Oh, so that's so nice. That is probably the shining light she was looking toward, um, you know, or maybe, you know, the experience gave her an opportunity to decide, this is definitely where I want to be. These are the people I want to work with. I I think that's just great that you made that happen. Um, So I see a little of your mom in you with that story. That's totally something it sounds like from the way you describe your mother, it sounds like something she would do, pave a trail, make a path. Yes, yes.
1: Well, So I just really encourage other people at their companies to create these programs. And, you know, it far exceeded my expectations. I mean, I had this idea in my head, it would be sort of like having, you know, an, a summer intern, you know, someone who hadn't worked in 10 years, I was really going to have to show her the ropes. And what blew me away is that, all I I can just explain it that she was an adult. I mean, she just was so competent and would figure things out on her own and was proactive and just so unbelievably competent and you know what? It was like riding a bike. She had not missed a beat. After 10 years um of pausing her you know, work outside of the, of the home, although she'd done incredible work for nonprofits, et cetera, in the interim. I mean, her legal analysis, it was spot on. It was all right there. It was just like riding a bike. So I really encourage women who want to help other women find ways to bring women back into the pipeline, because we don't need to have these people lost forever to the profession. We need to bring them back in.
0: I love this. I feel something way bigger happening here. Um, I am willing to, in whatever way I can, support you and your efforts. If you should take this outside of Facebook or more in Facebook, whatever you need, um, I'll be a vehicle for you and, and help you, um, you know, hands, head, heart. You got it.
1: Thank you.
0: It sounds all roses and wonderful and sunshine and rainbows. I'm sure you've had some challenges or setbacks. Are you able to share with us how you overcame those?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the biggest uh, challenges that I had in my career was, um, my, uh, Really, my relationship with my husband and his career, right? I mean, this is not uncommon. It's something a lot of women face. And unfortunately, medicine was particularly inflexible. You have very little control over where you go for your residency, where you go for your fellowship, where you can get an academic, you know, faculty position. um, and, And as in a subspecialty, like my husband, so it was definitely a challenge for me um, developing my career to move a couple times, right when you're trying to you know establish yourself in a legal community. Um, and I, I guess it all gets back to relationships. Yeah. I think you know relationships are really meaningful to me. It's something that I enjoy is spending time with people, getting to know their passions, um, collaborating with them. And so all along, what really helped me um, keep moving forward in my career, despite having to move to different states and take different bar exams and learn about a new legal community was building relationships. You know, it was always the relationship at the next place, Um, having a relationship with someone who had a relationship with someone at the next place that really helped me keep moving forward in my career. So fortunately for me, I think it's something that I love and enjoy the most, which is getting to know people, understanding them, you know, working with them, showing them who you are and what talent you have to offer, what comes so naturally and and is so enjoyed for me, so enjoyable for me um, is what helped me overcome the challenge of having to move so much in my career.
0: Well, I could certainly see how it's easy for people to build relationships with you because you are very open and kind, you're generous, you ask questions. I noticed that about you um, in observing you. Um, for the listeners to, to, to get a better frame or, or context, uh, Nikki and I know each other from a women's business group that we both in, are involved with, uh, the mentoring circle part of that women's business group here in Silicon Valley. But I always note that, you know, it's the person who asks questions who is sincerely and genuinely um, concerned about or, or feels that relationships are important and wants to connect. And Nikki is that person. Um, I think that this is fantastic. I think that relationships going, you know, side to side are great. But those that you had from the past, you can probably speak to some of the relationships for, you know, the women that you met here, but you've probably kept in touch with people that you've known all along the way, if you're that kind of person that cares about relationships. I know I am.
1: That's right. And, you know, I've reached out to um, attorneys I used to work for are now my outside counsel and, and helping me uh, help the company through, um, you know, challenges that we face.
0: Yes, that alumni network is so important, (laughs) but that's great. So people do, it's not about, I mean, everybody knows Wilson Sonsini has great work product, Um, but I believe that you probably hire these people, not just because of that, but because you know, love and trust them. Um, So knowing, loving and trusting your lawyer, um, that's a cool thing. So that's great. (laughs) Tell me a little surprising fact about you that no one knows.
1: Um, yeah, I, I love to dance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard a lawyer say that. I'll be honest. Most of the ones I've worked with are uh, INTJs on the Myers-Briggs. So they're very, you know, (laughs) They're not shy necessarily, they're just super selective, and I've never heard a lawyer say I love to dance. That's oh yeah,
1: even when I was like eight months pregnant, it still just felt <laughs> so good to dance. That's and awesome. Like- <laughs> so do you go dancing, and what kind no, of... No, <laughs> I don't really, um, I, but when I am at a party, or frankly, like even when I'm at a work event and there's some really good tune that comes on, it's kind of really <laughs> hard for me not to that's great, that's great. But we do, you know, we do a lot of dance parties here at home with my kids.
0: How fun, how fun. So Nikki's in the house. <laughs> so tell me how old are your kids now and what are their names if you're, if you're comfortable sharing that, you don't have to, but how
1: old are they? That's I have a thir- I have a daughter who turns 13 in just a couple weeks wow. uh, in December. Um, and I have a son who is 10 years old. How fun. Those are
0: such fun ages, fun ages. Well, before we wrap it up, um, if you want people to reach out to you or ask questions, maybe help you with some women's initiative that you might someday um, enjoy, you know, creating or putting out in the public place, feel free to share how they can reach you. If you don't, you don't have to.
1: Yeah, sure. People can find me on LinkedIn and of course, and of course on Facebook, you can message me on Facebook. You know what? I just thought about that. I don't think you, are we connected on Facebook? I don't think so. I guess we'll need to do that when we sign off here. So you're the one person I'm not connected with on Facebook? What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this has been
0: fantastic. Again, um, it's Nikki. Sokol and she is the Associate General Counsel of Facebook and obviously just listening to her here on this podcast you have probably fallen head over heels in love with her as we have in our mentoring circle and um, I am so glad that you live and work nearby and that you're someone that I could reach out to should I ever need. I feel confident asking you for help should I ever need and I do love witnessing how you are helping others to grow and transition. And that's just so great. What a gift you are to the community of women in business and men as well. Cause when we help women, we help everyone, right? That's right. So thank you so much for being here and any final words before we say goodbye?
1: Um, no, thank you. It was my pleasure to join you, Susan. I'm, i, I... Thrilled to see the work that you're doing in our community to lift women up as well. Well,
0: have a great day. Thanks for being here, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.